0: right. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Or as we say in Texas, hi, y'all. My name is Pat Bills, and I just want to say uh, thank you for having me. Do me a favor, and don't go up to Patrick Mead after the service and say, um, boy, your job is in jeopardy, or... Man, that guy, um, please go up and tell Patrick immediately after service how much you missed his preaching. That will mean a ton to him. Uh, Trust me. Um, I don't have a a Scottish accent. I have a strong, thick Tennessee accent, and uh, right from my mother, who's sitting right over here, so I am grateful. I want to thank this church family for giving me the opportunity to be a pastor here for five years Uh, I've been at Highland Oaks Church in Dallas for 10 years. I started year 11 in August, and a lot of that is due to your uh, gracious responsibility that you took for a young kid uh, out of college with two kids, and well, now things have changed. Let me show you a picture. Um, This is my family, Uh, and of course, you've got You know, Joshua, who's the tall one in the middle, who's at Lipscomb. I've tried to talk him out of going into ministry, but he decided to anyway. And then Caleb, and then Daniel, and Andrew, I could rent my young two kids out. They are the sweetest children on the planet, uh, just like their mother. Thank you. And then, uh, of course, my smoking hot wife or my girlfriend, and I can say that because she's not here. Um, I wish Deborah were here, because... She loves you all, and I love you all, and I am so grateful to be here, but when when I look at this picture, and I look at my children, I long for a church that not only embodies the love of God, and not only sets forth the reconciliation of the cross, but also is bold enough to embrace the mystery of the Holy Spirit. Because when we talk about God and we talk about why we gather, it's not just about God who is a a father or the characteristic of a mother or Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, but it is also the Spirit of God. And when Patrick and I corresponded several weeks ago when he said we're in the middle of a sermon series on the Holy Spirit... I thought, that is exciting news because I want my children to be a part of a church that doesn't just follow Christ but follows the Holy Spirit. You realize that the Holy Spirit is the main character in the book of Acts, right? It's not Peter. It's not Paul. It is the Holy Spirit. So I want to invite you to Acts chapter 10. I'm going to be reading the text here in just a moment. But as we read, I want us to keep in mind that the church here in Acts has been changed. The story of Jesus has made a move forward. As Barbara Brown Taylor said, there is a before and an after picture of the disciples. Before Pentecost and post-Pentecost, there is something fundamentally different about the way the church follows the mission of God. And it's the Holy Spirit. In chapter 4, if you'll remember, after this great Pentecost moment, the church gathers in a room, and the whole room was shaken because they were praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, Albert? And then you look at chapter 6, and Stephen gets into a full-blown argument with some other religious leaders. And the Bible says that they cannot withstand his argument because of the boldness, not of Stephen, but of the Holy Spirit in Stephen. In chapter 8, there's a eunuch traveling in a chariot. And Philip goes over to the eunuch. Do you know why? The Holy Spirit tells Philip to go To the chariot. And on and on we go. The Holy Spirit moves in the life of the early church. But I really like what one Episcopal priest says. That the Holy Spirit moves in ways that are unpredictable. In in ways that are risky. And in open spaces of mystery. And that's where I found myself this week, as I read Acts chapter 10 and tried to imagine what it must have been like to be Peter. So I invite you to Acts chapter 10, I'm going to begin in verse 9, and read several verses. I'm out of the NRSV, which is, by the way, the Bible Jesus read from, so if you have a tablet, NRSV, beginning in verse 9, and I'll conclude in verse 23. This is the word of God for the people. Of God. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then Peter heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times times and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now, why Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said, look, three men are searching for you. Now get up Go down and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you were looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they answered, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging. What a text. Let's pray. Oh God, may you pour through me the gift of preaching, of teaching, of story and of imagination as we consider ways that we might follow you. Oh Holy Spirit, in ways that are unfamiliar, in ways that are unpredictable, open spaces of mystery. For it's in your name that we pray, amen. As I thought about Peter, I tried to imagine what it would be like for the Fourth Avenue Church to enter into the story and to take a seat in a chair that's very comfortable, very familiar. And what it would be like to actually get up out of this chair that you're familiar with and move to a more unfamiliar seat. I think that's what's going on here in the text is that Peter is listening to the Holy Spirit in a way that moves him out of this chair that is very familiar and very comfortable and then the Holy Spirit says, Peter, guess what? You're about to venture into a really uncomfortable place. And I bet Peter was familiar with this rhythm because this is who God has always been. Calling people from what is unfamiliar to what is unfamiliar. Calling people out of these predictable moments into these moments of unpredictability. Why? Because God wants to be the main character of your life. God comes to Abram in chapter 12 and he says, Abram, here's the deal. I need a vehicle for my blessing. So leave your country, your kindred, and your father's household so Abram went. Abram got out of this chair of of comfortability and moved into the mission of God that was very uncomfortable. And you go throughout the story of Moses at the bush, Jacob falling asleep, and Elijah and Ruth and Esther and even Bathsheba. Stories of God's people moving from where they thought they needed to go to where God wanted to go. You see, there is a massive difference between watching for the Holy Spirit and witnessing for the Holy Spirit. You can watch for the Holy Spirit, but but I don't think Jesus wanted Peter to simply watch for the Holy Spirit, there was another step, there was another move. The Spirit says, Peter, don't just watch for me, witness, which involves action, which involves movement. And I wonder what would happen if we truly entered this story, not as someone who watches the events that unfold, but who enters as a witness. So this is Daniel, my third son. Every stereotype that comes with someone with glasses and is left handed, that's Daniel. Uh, He is a beautifully weird creation of God. Um, He knows uh, all about dinosaurs, he knows all about trains. Uh, Daniel has never met a stranger, but when he was a child, he loved the movie The Polar Express. Who, who's seen the Polar Express? Raise your hand. If you haven't seen the movie Polar Express, get a life. I mean, it's, it's a great feel-good movie with Tom Hanks and Santa Claus. And So Daniel loved watching Polar Express. And so as many of you do as parents, when your kids are small and you can get them preoccupied, you have some time to yourself. So Daniel was upstairs with his train table, watching the Polar Express, and playing trains as he watched the Polar Express. And this went on and on for several minutes. And his mother and I began to grow concerned when we heard from the top of the stairs, choo-choo, it's snowing, it's snowing. And we thought, that's really cute. And then this went on, it's snowing, it's snowing. And then I decided to go upstairs, and this is what I found. Daniel had taken the bean bag, unzipped it, and just threw it everywhere. So, so I did what my father trained me to do. I took off my belt. No, I'm kidding. I did not do that at all. I took his picture. <laughs> because there's a massive difference in watching a story and witnessing to a story. When you read the story of God, 4th Avenue Church, you can't allow the Holy Spirit to run like some familiar movie. You've got to jump in. And you've got to be willing to make a mess. Have you read the story of Acts? Which, by the way, is the second half of the story of Jesus. Luke builds an entire story and then says, Now things are really going to get interesting. And the Holy Spirit moves the church from watching to witnessing. That, that's the Holy Spirit I want my children to be aware of. That's the Holy Spirit I think this church wants to be aware of. It's not always predictable, especially in this story. So can I give you a few things that I really feel like God gave me this week? Through this story, this is not a microwaved sermon. Um, I haven't preached this yet. I've used some of the illustrations. But there's something within me that can't microwave something I just did last week. God just keeps showing up in some really incredible ways. So turn your attention to verse 9 where it says that Peter went up on the roof to pray. This whole movement of Peter by the Holy Spirit was an invitation that began with prayer. Question, is prayer talking or is prayer listening? You might say, yes, because you have the prayer legend, Albert Lemons, here. How many blue cards, Albert? 185,000? Does that include the cards that my kids colored on while they were here? Probably so. But prayer is certainly talking to God and there's a place for that but at this point in Peter's journey in the maturation process Peter is not talking, God is. And I think Peter is positioning himself or he's posturing himself in a way that's able to listen to God in a way that he hadn't before. And he's moving from talking To listening and that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit says you cannot define or confine prayer to simply talking at or to God. There's certainly a place for that but there's also a matter of listening to God. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 3 when God came to Moses? Moses wasn't at a church building. He was in the regular, mundane, routine rhythm of his life. He was tending sheep. And and Moses sees a bush that's burning. And before you skip ahead to the fact that God says, Moses, take off your shoes. Did Moses sound like Alan Gentry? I think he did. Uh, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. But before that voice came, there's this really interesting line in Exodus chapter 3. And it's in the NRSV, not the NIV. It says, Moses turned aside to see this strange sight. Interesting, don't you think? That Moses had to turn aside. He had to change his posture. He had to move positions in order to hear what God might have to say. You want to be a Holy Spirit-filled church that lives into these unpredictable mysteries that God has? Be willing to turn aside. Be willing to listen to Jesus. I mean, earlier in the Gospel of Luke, the three disciples are taken by Jesus to this mountain, and Moses and Elijah show up. And guess what God says? God says, listen to Him. Listen to Jesus. Turn aside. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in Peter's moment of transformation. In moving from this chair, Peter has to turn aside and listen. And it's really hard to turn aside and listen when you have other voices in your ear. Any parent of a teenager, can I get an amen? (laughs) Had an entire conversation with Caleb a few weeks ago. He didn't hear a thing I said because he had these things stuck in his ear and that's really annoying when you're trying to have a conversation with someone and you think it's valuable enough for them to hear and yet they're filtering it all through this noise going on in their ears but what occurred to me is that I am no different spiritually even people at my church they say they listen to God but it's always filtered through other noise that's going on now, because I'm a guest and I don't have to preach next week, can I push you a little bit? Some of you are listening to God and you have Fox News or CNN coming through your, your speakers. You can't hear God when it's filtered through your preferred newscast. I'm not saying there's not value in that. But if you want to listen to God, you've got to turn aside and listen and be available To God, some of you are listening with the noise of busyness, (laughs) and you're so hurried going from place to place. I am so hurried going from place to place. I wish I had a dollar for every time I thought in the last 24 hours, if people in Franklin would just drive like they do in Dallas, I could get to where I'm going much faster. But how many times do we do that with the Lord? I don't think Peter was able to move out of this chair unless Peter was willing to turn aside. He went up on his roof, not just to talk to God, but to listen to God. And I think that's a move of mature discipleship. The Holy Spirit invites us to listen for the voice of God and then of course the voice comes and it's fairly disturbing to Peter because God has good news Peter you can eat bacon (laughs) I don't know what Peter's problem is because when I sweat I smell bacon but regardless What a wonderful declaration, but if we're not careful, we'll forget just how jarring this moment is. I mean, Peter has been asked to do something that not only he has been told, but generation upon generation upon a generation has been told, don't eat with these people. It's unclean. I heard Patrick say this a few weeks ago in his sermon. In the first century century, It is not you are what you eat, but rather you are who you eat with. It was a mark of social identity, which is why Peter says, Lord, by no means, they're unclean, which is why Peter was greatly puzzled. When's the last time something happened that came from a posture of listening to God, and you thought to yourself, whoa, that's weird. That's interesting. I had a mentor of mine ask me one time, Pat, what is something that you have been sure of over the last five to ten years that you are now not so sure of? Could that be the work of the Holy Spirit? spirit. And I I thought to myself, I really stink at mystery because I want to know what happens. I'm the guy in the office that when Liz Moore hides under her desk and she comes out and scares me, I want to kill her. I don't like to be startled. I don't like to be taken off guard. I want my life and my spiritual life to look a particular way. Peter's whole world has just been turned upside down. His paradigm has just been shifted. Can you think of anyone else in the story of God whose paradigm was shifted? And they might have taken a step back to say... Now, that's weird. Have you thought about Jacob lately? Have you read the Genesis account of Jacob? Jacob is the greatest rat that ever lived in Israel's story. And that's the guy God chooses to name his people after? Really? And Pat was greatly puzzled. David is a man after God's own heart, and yet... David violates every single commandment and kills his lover's husband so that he can cover up his mistake. That's the guy who's a man after God's own heart? Pat was greatly puzzled. And now we have here in the book of Acts this movement by the Holy Spirit, this invitation into mystery, and Peter's first reaction is, man, that's weird. Peter moves from what's expected to what's unexpected. Are you willing to follow that kind of spirit, or is the spirit so predictable you are absolutely sure of wherever it's taking you? Because the last time I read my Bible, that is not the way God works, the people don't tell God where they want to go. God tells the people where God wants them to go. The Holy Spirit is inviting you out of this chair where everything is always expected into this unexpected place. So Joshua graduated last year and we began asking our family you know, about memories and what are some of the favorite things that we've done And my wife and I had this crazy idea that we stole from our youth pastor. We went on vacation like three or four years ago, and we didn't tell our kids where we were going. They didn't have a clue. And trust me, I'm a preacher. It was not Disney World. Um, It was we pulled out of the driveway and we drove to Oklahoma, but they didn't know that. And we went to Oklahoma and... We went to Kansas, we stayed in the Great Wolf Lodge, and then we went to St. Louis. Would you like to know their number one favorite family vacation? That mystery trip. And I thought to myself, well, that's a little hurtful, you know. I've I've planned some pretty awesome things. And the one thing that you go back and remember is the trip you had no idea where you were headed. And they were like, yes, Dad, we loved that trip. And I thought... What would it look like if my church was so invested in the Holy Spirit that our favorite trips were those that we couldn't predict, those that were unexpected? That if our church was so captured by the Spirit of God that when we put ourselves in a posture of listening and and we try to move from what's expected to the unexpected, it's... Maybe a reaction of no way, but then it's like, well, yes way, because of Yahweh. Get it? We are moving in the direction of the Spirit of God, because it's God who is moving us forward out of this chair into a different chair. So the story continues, and these Gentile centurions show up at Peter's door, and and I've never noticed this about the story, never. I love to skip ahead to the next section of Scripture. God shows no favoritism. I'm like, boom, see? See? That's that's the meaning of the story, but you can't get there so quickly because there's a move that Peter makes that I don't think Peter can make without the help of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10 verse 23, it says, Peter invited them in. And then the Bible says the next day they went to see Cornelius. Cornelius. Now, keep in mind how difficult this must have been for Peter. Not only are these Gentiles unclean, they're Roman soldiers. Uh, These are the people who killed Peter's best friend. I I don't care what they say when they show up to Peter's house. Peter trust us. Cornelius, he's a really good guy. In fact, he's respected by the whole Jewish nation. I bet Peter's like, yeah, whatever. And I bet Peter's got his hand on his sword the entire time. But it's the Holy Spirit that tells Peter to come downstairs. It's the Holy Spirit that moves Peter from deep concern to connection. Isn't this what was modeled by Jesus? That whenever you grow concerned about someone else that you think is unclean, dangerous, toxic, Jesus wants to move you to a place of connection. Go back with me in your mind if you want to in your Bibles in Luke chapter 5. Right after Jesus calls the disciples, the first thing jesus does is he heals a leper but it's not just healing a leper the leper comes to jesus wanting to connect with jesus and if you're anybody with a pulse around jesus you are concerned and the leper looks at jesus and says lord if you're willing you can make me clean you know what jesus does Luke says he reaches out and touches him and he says, I do choose. Jesus always chooses connection over concern. And In the very next story, Jesus calls Levi and he's at Levi's house. He's around Levi's table and all the religious people All the people that go to church are like, who is this rabbi who eats dinner with sinners? And Jesus says, excuse me, if you're healthy, you obviously don't need me because I came for the sick. I love what Patrick said before communion. This table is not ours. Jesus is our host. And guess what? You don't get to determine the guest list. Jesus does. And I think for so much of my spiritual life, I've been so concerned with with keeping the dirt out of the church that I've failed to get dirty myself. Because I don't want to disrupt what's expected, what's clean. But I think the Holy Spirit is inviting me to get my shoes muddy. Look, I grew up on a farm. There is nothing worse than when your father says, Son, I need you to come out and help me check cows, and you have brand new shoes on. And everything within you is like, Oh, Dad, it just rained. Really? Like, come on, let's go. And so I've got two choices here. I can either go barefoot or get my shoes dirty. And I don't want to get barefoot because it's not just mud on a farm. There's lots of stuff in the mud. We call it manure. It stinks. But I found myself growing more and more concerned with how my shoes looked than whether or not a cow might survive a birth or to get back in after getting out into the road. Do you know how twisted that is to be more concerned about clean tennis shoes than an animal's life? Do you know how twisted it is to be more concerned about how clean you look on a Sunday morning than someone else's life on the outside looking in? Peter invited them in. You can't move past that little detail in the story because what Peter did is he moved them to the table before he ever said, you know, God, I don't know what this is about, but I'm sure you don't show favoritism. No, Peter made a connection in the midst of his concern. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why my friend Sally is here. That's why our church is trying to figure out What it means to welcome everybody to the table. And trust me, there's a lot of fear associated with that. There's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of unexpected, what's this going to look like? And I just wonder if the Highland Oaks Church in Dallas would be so captured by the Spirit of God that we would be more concerned about the people in the road outside the fence rather than our clean Sunday shoes. Are you with me? So, what kind of chair are you sitting in this morning? Are you content with just watching for the Holy Spirit? Or do you want to be a witness for the Holy Spirit? So, there's these weird people out in California. <laughs> How's that for the opening of a story? Um weird people out in California that are building these monstrosity homes and, and for some reason the new thing in, in California is to build a huge gigantic house and put a fish tank inside their house and, and kind of the status symbol of choice is to put a shark in your fish tank sounds kind of dumb if you ask me but whatever So I'm reading an article about sharks in fish tanks and what's interesting is that sharks will never grow larger than what their habitat allows them to grow. In other words, sharks that are meant to be 15, 20 feet long with huge teeth that give Shark Week its name on the Discovery Channel, they live in the ocean, but sharks that stay in the tank only grow to about two or three feet long. But they were never intended to stop or stunt their growth because they live their life in a tank. The Holy Spirit is looking into your eyes and deep into your heart and he wants you to see this tank that we are sitting in right now. And if you think that this is the sum of your spirituality and this experience is all the Holy Spirit is inviting you to do, you are swimming in a tank and you are never going to grow to your full potential as a disciple of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to move you as the church who meets here to be the church out there. And the only question is are you willing to move? So, would you stand? And may you be sent by the love of the faithful God who spoke order into chaos, who pursued humankind and said, you don't need to be naked and have shame, who came to Abram and said, Abram, I need you to be a vehicle for my blessing. Would you pursue the love of that God and be so captured by the cross of Jesus Christ that stands as a symbol for reconciliation? That stands for a symbol of welcome and embrace, not exclusion, embrace. And would you be sent by the power and mystery of the Holy Spirit into places of risk that are unpredictable, that are open spaces for God to work. May those who have ears to hear, hear the Word of God.